The NCAA decided that when it came to the perfect time to let everyone know that it is officially alleging impropriety when Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, they decided early signing day was the day they were going to do it. Yeah, no agenda to see here. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Jay Sean Barham joining the Wolverines and that and much more on this episode of Locked On Wolverines. You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Friday. This is going to be a part one of two today. <laughs> We're back and doing it. Lockdown Wolverines podcast, part of Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I'm your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. Again, sporadically kind of throwing things in here because it has been a crazy week of everything, right? Because you've got Michigan with uh, Rose Bowl prep. You've got uh, you've got early signing day. You got Jay Sean Barham committing. You've got other guys going into the portal. We're going to talk a little bit about the portal in general uh, when we get to Jay Sean Barham. But first, let's talk about the, the the fact that the NCAA decided that it is going to drop its Burger Gate allegations, which all of this started obviously 2020 uh, came to came to fruition as far as what we knew uh, in uh, kind of early 2023 all kind of started to drop back uh, right after the bowl game and then hit again uh, right before Big Ten Media Days and then hit again the day that in the middle of the day, Michigan had most of its class signed, but not all of it. Certainly wasn't waiting on any prospects to drop or anything. But uh, it, it, to, a lot of astute people have noted, and I agree, that this seems very well timed by the NCAA. And it does certainly, it, it does show that there is in fact a leak here to some degree well i mean actually just the fact that they gave the notice allegations doesn't necessarily mean that there is a leak because the the news is what the news is i was arguing with someone on uh, twitter about it because they're like why is michigan media so quick to talk about this it's like because it's an actual news right like if you want me to defend it i'm here to defend it right in terms of defending michigan but it, you know, it, it, it's just a weird thing that this idea that Michigan doesn't defend, media doesn't defend, blah, 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 uh, just because when we report news when it drops, it's kind of a ridiculous take. But um, it is obviously newsworthy. Michigan has uh, 90 days to respond, and then the NCAA has 90, 60 days to respond to that. So this will be a thing. Um, again, if you recall, the whole Burger Gate is uh, watching – Watching Zoom workouts, which I'm sure it went beyond at least, but it seems kind of like it was mostly just stuff like watching Thomas Fedone and his his cousin doing push-ups. His cousin, who I believe had something going on there, um, you know, physically. So it was, you know, they gave, they gave him, I think, like a, an honorary offer type thing. And they're like, oh, we're going to do push-ups. And they're just like kind of cheering him on. I'm sure there was more to it than, than just that, but that's what we know. And then Jim Harbaugh, according to the NCAA, misleading them because he said he did not recall uh, buying a, a hamburger for a cheeseburger or whatever at uh, the Little Brown Jug or Brown Jug, whatever you want to call it, uh, when he was on, on campus, which is not something he was allowed to do. So that, that's the axe they're grinding, and they're, they're charging Jim Harbaugh officially with a level one violation for that. Uh, level two got leveled up 
because it would have been a level two, but he said, I don't recall doing that. And they say, oh, he's lying to us. And again, I, I mean, Jim Harbaugh has been hit in the head a lot of times, guys. A lot of times. I, I don't remember what happened earlier today. 3 p.m. right now. I don't remember what happened earlier today. And yet they're saying that a guy who's got to kind of oversee 130-something players and, you know, dozens of staff members and go out and recruiting and all of this stuff, on top of everything that he has a pretty good handle on something that he, a situation he probably, you could probably provide him pictures and say, say this was you, and he'd be like, I don't remember that. Right? That's just, it, I, I'm taking him at his word because Jim Harbaugh has never struck me as a liar. Okay? There are many things. I'm not even saying that he's a good person. I think that most, I, I know a lot of people are going to be upset with that. I would say that most coaches in college football, probably not actually good people. Okay? Like, in order, it's kind of like a talent agent. I look at it very similarly. In order to do that job, you have to have a little bit of a pathos, a bit of a narcissism. Now, certainly there are people that buck the trend, and maybe Jim Harbaugh does, but I, I am taking him at his word because I do think he has the integrity to be like, I'm, I'm not lying about this. And I know there's, there's probably rival people watching this be like, oh, but then you guys are cheating. Jim Harbaugh said he didn't know anything about it, and I have it on pretty good authority from multiple different sources on that one that he didn't know anything about it. So it, it really feels like the NCAA is just got its ax to grind. Meanwhile, you've got a recruit showing up to Ole Miss in a Lambo. You've got Jeremiah Smith uh, waiting to sign his, uh, his NLI until he finds out that NIL has been taken care of, <laughs> which Technically, you still aren't allowed to do pay for play, my friends. You aren't. It's supposed to be not like not nine binding, but it's supposed to be like, all right, you're, we're going to have you do NIL. And if you don't end up here, then so be it. That's how it's supposed to work. That's what's legal. It's not like, okay, if you come here, then we'll give you the NIL. That's not how that's supposed to work, okay? So it, it's just, it's turning a bunch of blind eyes and then just trying to go and find like the most inane, ridiculous thing, right? Because Jim Harbaugh, how much, how does it really, I, I can understand the people that, that say, I, I disagree, but I understand the people that say what Connor Stallions did was like this crazy benefit. I disagree. I think that people that, that think that it had this huge, huge benefit just don't know ball. Okay. Um, and, and anyone who really does know football, like, you know, Joel Klatt said, like, the, peop the, the less you know about football, the more of a, an advantage you think Michigan had, okay? But I understand why people think that that was, like, okay, that was a big benefit. They, they got a massive advantage on other teams because of this, okay? Where does what Jim Harbaugh did in Burgergate, how does that give any advantage, right? Like, how is that even, like... You can sit there and say, like, we're trying to keep the rules and whatever. There, there are rules being broken right now somewhere. Most likely down south. You've got bigger fish to fry. And yet, this is the fish you're going to go for. Like, you, you, got a, you got a big tuna, not to, to, to call out Jim Halpert here. 
you got you, you got like you know you've got some some big game there in the sea, and then you're chasing minnows, and be like that's the one that's what we need that's what's going to feed our family that's not even to feed one person that's what's going to feed our family, it is absolutely absurd. Anyway, that's that. We're going to uh, talk Jay Sean Barham, the tr- uh, incoming transfer from Maryland. Michigan just continues to be snipers out on the trail. Really, really impressive. So we're going to get to that here in just a moment. Before we do passion, drive, and patience, what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything that you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, Exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts with your, for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're printing rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. All right, as I said, this is episode one of two today. We're doing one early and one late. I mean, an early for me is three. <laughs> so um, we, we're going to do a later one. Um, just trying to navigate. It's been very, a very difficult week with Christmas coming up. The fact that I'll be traveling to Pasadena for a week um, and uh, trying to just do life in between has been kind of hard to navigate everything uh, this week. So we're still going to have five this week. It's just uh, unlike last week when I said it and we didn't, um, we will have five this week. It, and then next week when we're in Pasadena, we'll do one literally every single day. Uh, that, that'll that be a lot easier to navigate, but um, it's... Well, we won't be in Pasadena for the most of it. We'll be in downtown Los Angeles and all of that. But um, like maybe maybe I'll even go, uh, you know, do an uh, the, a random location shot. It is L.A. after all. Seeing someone with a camera out speaking in public isn't uh, isn't unusual. Maybe we'll do something like that. I don't know. There was some talk about doing a live podcast somewhere, but I think that fizzled out. Um, but nonetheless, Jay Sean Barham. On early signing day, commits to Michigan. That is a giant win for the Wolverines. He was definitely a, a very, very good and productive player for Maryland. He's coming off of his second year. Sixth on the team in tackles. Had three sacks. Uh, 37 tackles. An interception. Who was that interception on? Hmm. Happened to be on Mr. J.J. McCarthy. Last interception. Pass broken up three QB hurries. Uh, that was just this... Uh, this last year, year one, he had even more tackles, 58. Six and a half tackles for loss, four sacks. Pass broken up, two QB hurries, fumble force. So last year, not quite as good as this year. Uh, sorry, this year, not as good as last year, rather. Uh, had his best game this year against Charlotte, 87.3. Great on PFF. Then Nebraska at a uh, 79.4. I can sort this, I'm sure. Uh Towson, then Michigan, had his fourth best game against Michigan, uh, then Ohio State. So, really, really, weirdly, his worst game came against Michigan State. Of all teams, Michigan State was the one he struggled against. Struggled against Penn State as well. 
but uh, had his some of his best games, Michigan-Ohio State. So that's good to see as far as overall def- defensive. Uh, Run-stopping was excellent against Northwestern. Nebraska uh, was middling against Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, tackling uh, was the best against uh, Charlotte, Ohio State. Weirdly, really good tackling against Michigan State. Everything else sucked for him. Middling uh, against Michigan. Pass rush, middling against Michigan. Uh, Ohio State had a pretty solid pass rush uh, of it. So he he's pretty decent in the pass rush uh, numbers here. Uh, he's got a 76 on the season. Didn't have great games against Virginia, Penn State, Michigan State, or Northwestern. But against Towson, Charlotte, Illinois, Ohio State, Rutgers, Michigan, all in the deep, dark green on PFF. Uh, not as good in coverage. Had two games that he, where he was. Otherwise, it was pretty abysmal on that front. But he is 6'4", 220, sorry, 233. He is a big, bruising uh, linebacker. And I think he pairs really well with Ernest Hausman. Uh, and it's this is assuming Junior Colson departs, right? So now, because you're going to have Junior Colson and Mike Barrett likely departing, now your linebacking core, it, it still just feels pretty good, right? This is much better than it used to be because now you've, you, even with Barrett and Colson gone, you've got Ernest Hausman, who you feel really good about, Jimmy Roller, who didn't play much this year, red-shirted, uh, coming off of the injury. It made sense why, considering the depth. Now he can come in and be a big part of the rotation. I don't know what this means for a guy like Jaden Hood, um, but obviously they've got other guys that are going to be up and coming, like Samaj Bridgman, who I'm excited about, Other bunch of other guys who I am just completely forget about at this point, uh, Micah Pollard as well. And uh, But it's just it feels like it is increasing in its ability. And I also really like uh, Mason Curtis and Cole Sullivan who are coming in. So I th- this linebacking core is really turned around in a big, big way. But the only thing is, it's kind of weird because we don't know who the position coach is going to be next year. Right? I mean, we don't know who any of the coaches are going to be next year at this point. Uh, I, I would bet Sharon Moore will still be around. But other than that, that's the only one that I can sit there and say with a strong degree of certainty, I feel Sharon Moore is going to be around. And then watch me be wrong and be the only one that's gone. I have no idea. But Michigan continues just to be snipers, which I think is really cool and really great to see just because we saw that last year uh, with them going and getting just all these targeted guys. They're going to get a lot less this year, right? We've talked about some of the guys. We've seen some of those guys go uh, elsewhere. Michigan hasn't necessarily been really going after everybody really strongly. Obviously, they're after Upton Stout. We're just kind of in a wait-and-see mode as far as that's concerned. There's a confliction between... How much are they going after Damani Jackson? Uh, I've been kind of given this from talking to my source, like, a, you know, numbers are tight. We're just, you know, it, it's not necessarily, and not to freak anybody out, but it just doesn't sound to me like they're making a strong push for Damani Jackson at this point. Does that mean that they won't? No, but, I mean, and there's people out there saying it's between Michigan and Alabama. I don't know. I mean, I know that those were the other two finalists before he ended up at USC. I know that Will Johnson has talked to him as far as Michigan actually going and courting him. I don't know. Clayton Safey reports that uh, our good friend, that uh, Jamal Banks is going to come and visit and from the Wake Forest wide receiver. Uh, they missed out on a couple other guys like uh, Donovan McCauley decided to stay where he's at. Corey Brooks, I don't remember where he went, wound up, but he wound up somewhere. Uh, so certainly um, they're, they're being very targeted with who they're going after. I know there's a lot of people out there that want to look at it and say, like, okay, I want a Walter Nolan. Okay, that was never going to happen. Um, it, 
there's certain guys that are never going to happen. And you have to keep in mind, they're going to bring in guys that have a certain quality to them. That's kind of the recruiting ethos all completely across the board at this moment. This is what we talked about on early signing day. It's a culture that is being filled here. This is not a situation where it's just like go and get the most talented guy and then make him fit into your culture. They're finding guys that fit into the culture who can also play. And I think that they're doing a really good job when you look at the, the rankings and everything of finding maybe they're not the five stars, but they're, they're the four stars guys that maybe are tweeners. Like, you know, they've got, you know, some services say three stars, some say four stars. It's the same kind of thing with the transfers is that they're going and finding people that fit the culture and can play. Now you got to keep the staff together. Um, as far as, uh, what Jim Harbaugh is going to do. I don't know. I mean, I still generally feel like he's going to end up staying, but with everything kind of going on in the ethos with the NCAA, I don't know. And like, I've, I've said this for a while, you know, since we've waited for this contract, if he wins a national championship, I don't think he's sticking around. I think that's mission accomplished, (laughs) you know, see ya, your, your turn, Sharon. So I don't know. I would love for these things to get hammered out. I would have loved to have seen the contract get figured out before uh, you got to early signing day. I hate the idea of like a coach leaving after players have signed. I feel like that's such a not great move, but understand that you can't make that decision in the moment while you're chasing a championship. Will it get done? I don't know. Follow along with Chris Ballas. He's, he's really, uh, he's, he's got the Intel. I know people say like, well, he said this and, Whatever th- things change, it's 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 again same thing as recruiting. It's not that there is an answer, and that uh, that you're just trying to dig out clues to get to the answer. It's that it's a moving, evolving situation. So we're going to continue on, and we are going to uh, get into what Blake Corum had said yesterday. And again, it's it's part of the culture, and I love it. I love everything that's coming out of. Uh, Rose Bowl prep. Uh, We're going to get to that here in just a moment. All right, we're not going to go super ham with this today uh, since we're doing two episodes. Um, We'll talk a little bit more about the Rose Bowl uh, on the later episode, uh, why I'm starting to kind of have some declining feelings about Michigan's capability in this game. And why I also logically can tell myself that I'm incorrect <laughs> about it. It's a weird duality that's happening. I, I would say if I was you, don't get mad at me if I feel like predicting Michigan to lose because the last two years I predicted Michigan to win. This last year, this year was the first time I predicted Michigan to beat Ohio State since what? twenty seven? No, 2016, I believe. No, 2018. Everyone predicted it in 2018, but... At the same time, I was behind the scenes telling my best friend, I think they're going to lose in 2018 to Ohio State. And he's like, what are you talking about? This is a gimme. I'm like, I have a bad feeling about this. But um, nonetheless, we'll get to that in the next episode uh, because that's going to deserve more time than the last segment. But uh, Blake Corum yesterday at the uh, press conference, I haven't even written about this yet because that's just kind of the the week that is. We'll, We'll start hammering stuff out starting uh, tonight and going until we uh, are at Disneyland on uh, Wednesday. But uh, it's, it, 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 he said that, was asked like, okay, you said before the season 
that it was championship or bust, but now that you've accomplished everything and you're, you're here, do you really feel like everything that preceded this is meaningless if you don't win a championship? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. That's still the goal. They want more. I feel like Michigan needs, number one, they need that player-led leadership to feel like, okay, we're going to do it. This is, the, this is one of the reasons why, and this is going to kind of spill into the next episode as well. Uh, one of the reasons why I can talk myself out of Michigan losing to Alabama is because it's the players, right? Like, they just seem to have this ability to be like, we don't care what's being called. We don't care what plays coming at us. We don't care what plays we're being called to do. We are going to find a way to win this game, and we are taking accountability. It is the opposite of, like, the 2018-2019 type teams, right? Accountability. Not saying that they had zero accountability. They just it had intermittent accountability in some of that, those previous squads, okay? I feel like this is just such an accountable team. They play for each other, and that's one of the things where – if you, normally when I heard that before the last two years, I was like, okay, but you know, weirdly it, it kind of harkens back because it, it does feel like a, a sound bite. I remember when I lived in uh, Los Angeles, I remember uh, laying in bed one night, it was a Sunday night and uh, I had ESPN on or something and uh, maybe it was Fox at probably ESPN and uh, like the, the, Chargers had just come back to beat I don't know who. And uh, it always stuck with me, even though it felt like the most cliche thing. Philip Rivers sitting at the post-game press conference. And like he was just he was just speaking with such confidence, right? He was how 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 do you Rich Eisen said he's he's speaking with his chest. He was saying it with his chest. And he he's out there saying like you know, we, what was the, the term that he said? Like, we never lost faith in each other. We never stopped believing in each other. And it, it was just something where it was like, I know I'm never, like, I've tried to find that clip. I don't, you know, it's pretty hard to just find some random <laughs> 2010 or 2011 post-game press conference video of, uh, of Philip Rivers. But, uh, because it it felt really inspiring, even though I knew it was the most cliche thing. That is exactly what this team is. They never stop believing in each other. They never flinch. They rarely find themselves down. But when they do find themselves down, they're like, all right, let's get to work. When when Ohio State ties the game in the third quarter, previous Michigan teams would have been like, oh, here we go. No, this Michigan team's like, all right, bet. We're going to go on an eight-minute drive and seal this game, essentially. And then when they don't fully seal the game because they get a, the field goal and Ohio State's driving, they're like, bet, we're going to make a play. That is what makes this team different. And it's hard to bet against that. Like, that's not something that you can put on paper. That's not a stat, right? You can, you can talk stats all you want. You can sit there and be like, well, Jalen Milrow runs, you know, this much a game. He's had this type of success. and He's done this and he's done that. It, this Michigan team has the intangibles that I, I just don't think any other team has in college football right now. And that is why uh, I am really impressed with what they have and why I, I'm kind of hyping myself up a little bit now. I'm, I plan this next episode. Watch me come have a completely different outcome. 
I don't know. We'll, we'll see what it's like when we get to talk to Alabama as well. Starting on the 27th at Disneyland. Uh, Nick Saban, Terry and Arnold, uh, Chris Braswell, among those who, uh, who will be there along with Mike Saint, Mikey Sane, we're still Chris Jenkins. I don't remember who else. Um, hope they, I hope they get to go on some rides. I don't think it's going to be like universal when the whole team got, to, it was Michigan, Alabama had full teams there. That was a blast. I read, rode the, uh, I rode the Hulk roller coaster with the entirety of the defensive line. I was sitting between, uh, Phil Paya and, uh, I can't remember who, who was on the other side. I just remember being like, you know what happens here in the next ride? We're King, uh, King Kong and, uh, I got Carlo Kemp and Quiddy pay. And it was just, it was, that was a fun time. So I hope that they get that opportunity. Um, anyway, that's going to do it for this episode. We're going to be back later tonight, probably pretty late, but, uh, nonetheless, we'll talk to you then. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Peace. <laughs>